Hello mech fans and welcome to the Valhalla Club. Grab yourself a Timbiki Dark, set up that paint booth, open that spreadsheet, and join us as we talk all things Battletech. Okay, everyone, and welcome to another episode from the Valhalla Club podcast. Tonight, I will be your bartender, Matt. And that's the the Northman for all of those that use, like, nicknames or whatever. Uh, also joining me is Mike, uh, Ben, the Bourbon, and a couple of awesome guests from the Chatterweb podcast. That'd be JP Arbiter and Mrs. Arbiter as well. And we're going to start this out with the Rapid Fire Inquisition, which is basically just a series of weird questions. Uh, so we're going to start off with the first question. The most interesting Battletech faction. Now, the word interesting is key here, okay? We're going to start off with Mike, and it has to be rapid fire. So, most interesting faction. Go. I'm going to say the most interesting faction is the Free Worlds League, mainly because I haven't read a lot about them, but I know they're always fighting each other, and it's just a madhouse over there. So, that makes them interesting to me. Craziness over there. Ben, what's yours? Top of the head is uh, Marion Marion Hegemony. Because I've been doing a lot of research on them lately for something I won't talk about. Okay. Mr. Arbiter, yourself. The Yarn Folk. The Mm. Yarn Folk. Okay. Thank you for saying Yarn Folk. Society of Swedish Deep Periphery Assassins. Very interesting. How about Mrs. Arbiter? The residents of Planet Bob. Ah, yes. (laughs) Old Planet Bob. (laughs) Um, I don't know enough about okay. Planet Bob. <laughs> I don't want to break the thing up, but do you know the Planet Bob's actual name? No. The, yeah, the big ass long name. Dunkel 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 Scheisen Shatterwald. Yes. Wow. Dark I Planet love and it. Dark Waters Shadow World. I love it. <laughs> yeah. I can see why they went with Bob. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, on to question two. Favorite veggie, starting with Mike. Oh, man. Uh, fuck, I, man, I didn't start eating veggies till my, I met my wife. Um, <laughs> uh, fuck, I don't know. Green beans. Green, <laughs> green beans? I, I like some green beans, man. That, Bourbon. Yeah, I gotta go, go with Mike on that one. That's, that's definitely a green bean. Really? Green, green beans, beans, huh? Yeah. Dude, the yeah. beans are in the house. Yeah, just they are. Not, I, just not I, jelly beans. I just had some today. <laughs> okay, the Arbiter crew. Cauliflower, but I can only eat it raw. Only raw. I'm weird. Okay. Mm, interesting. You only eat any vegetables raw. Yeah, well. <laughs> no, I'm saying you only eat them raw. Oh, but no. Yeah, but. <laughs> Mrs. Arbiter. I would have to say corn. corn. They have the most variety. Mm, I'm, a, I'm definitely rolling with corn on the cob. That's definitely my, my answer for this one. I thought it was a fruit. No. I thought it was a grain. <laughs> yeah. Because you, you make bourbon from corn, right? Exactly. It's a grain. It's not quillar. That's true. Quillar's not. <laughs> Does anyone know what Quillar is? Quillar is a mix between corn and what is it? orange marmalade. No, it's a it's a mix between corn that is just the size of that's just huge, huge, <laughs> huge corn, it's a grainy corn, like cow corn, a genetic right. hybrid. Okay, <laughs> okay, okay. Like rolling, 
Rolling into question three. Least favorite pizza. Mike, start us off. Uh, Least favorite. Any pizza with onions on it. I hate onions on pizza. Amen. I, again, I didn't even start, I hated onions forever. And then I met my wife and she started sneaking it into the food um, by sauteing it. So now I can eat anything with like sauteed (laughs) onions, but I cannot do raw onions. Uh, No, no onions on pizza. Well, I'll know what not to get for the pizza party. But you can definitely bring some Hawaiian pizza with some pineapple and we're going to have a great time. I think we lost our audio connection. Yep. (laughs) Okay. Wasn't just us. Uh, Oh, something wrong. Did I cut out? Everything cut out for a hot minute. Because you were talking about Hawaiian pizza. Hawaiian (laughs) pizza is delicious. (laughs) Okay, bourbon. Let's see. Let's let's see if this is the answer for Uh, you. Supreme is a no go for me. What? I can't I can't do green peppers, I can't do onions, I can't do olives, I can't no, none of that. That is just all disgusting. Oh yeah. Oh, Down gosh. with the onions and the and the, the olives, hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Can't do it. Okay, Mr. Arbiter. Um uh, amen to the guy on the onions and also the the problem with Supreme aside from the fact that uh I have a mushroom allergy, so you know if you want to drive me to the hospital, I'll gladly have a slice. <laughs> um so so yeah, I guess mushrooms are uh, are are right out for for me. That's that's least favorite. Yeah, that makes sense if it's going to put you in the hospital for sure. Um, uh, it, it, it it's mild enough. It just gives me God's own stomach ache. No, yeah. no bueno. Uh, Mrs. Arbiter, taco pizza, taco or like those pizza. variations where they try and do this, where they try and do a chicken Alfredo pizza. Those drive me insane. What about cheeseburger yeah. pizza? Is that is that in the same vein? Uh, it depends on the sauce. Okay. If they're trying to use barbecue sauce, I'm usually annoyed because it's not Kansas City barbecue sauce. Or <laughs> I know. Case, a poor substitute. KC barbecue sauce for the win. Or, thank you. Uh, or if, like, they put pickles on the cheese. Oh, my God. That's sort of like a... Eh. See, I'll, that's take, a weird. I'll take a pickle on a cheese cheeseburger pizza, but it's gross. been surprised by dill versus sweet before. And... Sweet pickles on a cheeseburger pizza is a no-go. Sweet pickles are no-go forever. Exactly. <laughs> I think the pickle juice is going to infect the entire pizza. Yeah. That, that actually remind like, I saw so many weird pizzas when I was stationed in Europe. They put oh, corn man. on pizza. Oh, yeah, they put yeah. hot dogs on pizza. Like, if you order, you can order, like, an American pizza, at, like, anywhere in Europe, and it's going to come with hot dogs and french fries on it, and, like, you can get some with corn. I'm like, what? Yeah. This is an abomination. We don't eat that shit. <laughs> Not on fucking pizza, dude. I remember wandering around Budapest one time and like we stopped and got some pizza and it had corn and ham on it. And I was like, what in the shit is going on right now? Am I, I am some alternate universe? Don't go together. Yeah, it's so weird. But, mm. All right, Maddie, what about it's you? Yeah, least fave would be anchovies. Anything you throw anchovies on. Just no, not gross. Yeah. Only, only I had it twice. Like anchovies. Hate them uh, now. No bueno. Mm, that's Not fair. For me. No fishies. That's fair. Okay, that was the Rapid Inquisition. So moving on, we're going to introduce our guests here. Well, I'm going to let them introduce themselves and kind of, well, I'll just ask some questions. So I'll kind of turn over to you guys to kind of introduce your, you know, yourselves, your podcast, and kind of how you got into Battletech. So go for it, Arbiters. Well, good afternoon. Welcome to the chat. Oh, wait, this isn't my show. Where am I? What happened? <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, uh, 
Hello, everyone. Uh, I'm James Bixby. I go by JP Arbiter on the uh, on the Chatterweb podcast over on uh, ourbattletech.com. Um, uh, Mrs. A, you uh, you introduce yourself, and then we'll. I am Mrs. Arbiter, or the other, the better half of the podcast. <laughs> I'd like to say. Oh, everyone nice likes to say. <laughs> um, to we've been running the podcast. Our origin story goes back to. Uh, the Click Warrior Days, the tail end of the Click Warrior Days, as a uh, po- as a BattleTech oriented podcast. Um, and Con two thousand six. Yep. Um, we were part of a small community called the Solaris Virtual Arenas, uh, run by a guy who's uh, kind of the lore master of uh, the two hundred twenty eighth IBR uh, Macro Online League or club. Um, and uh, so, like. It started off doing that, not knowing a single thing of what we were doing, and it was for an audience of, like, a couple of dozen people. Um, and then it was a once-a-year thing as long as that uh, community was intact, and then it just kind of dispersed to the winds uh, um, at one point. And then I had a hankering to do a Battletech podcast again, because at that juncture... Uh, Catalyst was really pumping the gas on the Jihad books, and I was loving those source books, and I wanted to cover them and talk about them. And, and uh, so we tried uh, doing a uh, podcast on our own. I created a Squarespace page and everything, and I had no goddamn clue what I was doing. And we just weren't getting outreach uh, on it at all. And then I ran across our producer... Who I thought he found us. It, we more like we bumped into each other oh. um, over on a different Solaris Seven website, <laughs> the the larger one, mm-hmm. um, also now defunct as it turns out. And he offered to be our web dev because he 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 took pity. He he saw we clearly had no idea what we were doing <laughs> in terms of the actual web dev and hosting and whatnot. Even though our audio engineering at the point was. Passable. I'm not sure we've improved in the decade plus since then. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, about uh, that was about 2012 was when he uh, took pity on us after about a year of uh, of uh, getting uh, uh, of getting ourselves uh, trying to kickstart something. And uh, we've been uh, doing this roughly once a month on that website ever since. That's quite a time. Yeah. Um. Uh, our our outreach is um is we're, we're a particularly uh, small podcast. That's partly by intention and partly by how we uh, uh, engineer ourselves. First off, um, we I the real world pays me way too much for me to try and make any uh, make a a serious side hustle out of uh, out of the podcast. So we don't do a Patreon. We don't have uh, um any serious like uh, streaming uh, events or whatnot and. Because I just don't have the time. I, I, my at my work, I manage fifty five people in a uh, in a multi million dollar company. So, um, so so that this uh, is purely hobby and purely love for uh, uh for us. Um, but that's also to our de- detriment since we don't have the easy access on outreach. Um, and then uh, with uh, the other uh, element of our uh, of our show is that um, we focus on product and on uh f- and on the 
game mechanics of mm-hmm. Battletech. We leave the video games to the No Guts, No Galaxy crew. They do it better. Um, we also use Max. <laughs> so we can't play half of them if we want to. Yeah, that's true, too. Um, and then, uh, you know, there, there's a thousand different uh, pages out there now from people as huge as, uh, as Tex to uh, guys who just got uh, their 10,000th uh, subscriber on YouTube, like MechFrog, who just talk about, like, the mechs and the tanks and whatnot and are basically reciting uh, technical readout books verbatim. And that's not what we do. We want to talk about the meta story. We want to talk about the implications and what we want to see in the future. Mm-hmm. And we and we review the actual product that gets p- that gets put out, which uh, sometimes can lead to some uh, interesting stretches whenever things are dry, um, or when things aren't official, or when th- <laughs> or when things are stuck on a boat in the Suez Canal. Yeah, yeah, that would make it a slightly more difficult. So, how did you guys get into BattleTech itself? Oh, well, Mrs. Arbiter, your answer is a lot easier than mine. <laughs> He got me into Battletech, okay, essentially. Yeah. I was wondering, it was the days of Click Tech, and I was just curious of, okay, what the heck is going on? Why mm-hmm. is he insisting every Thursday on going to this game store to play some silly robot game? Which was also yeah. called Valhalla's Gate, by the way. Oh, sweet. <laughs> Valhalla's Gate, Columbia, Missouri. Um, okay. So that, that I went to college out there, and uh, that, was, uh, that, that was my uh, hangout joint. Um, mm-hmm. I still miss all the guys that I uh, that I played with out there. Um, I miss a few of them too. They were nice guys. So, but the file what followed for me was granted I couldn't half the time I was either trying to chase after people who were trying to hide from me, or I couldn't roll my dice to save my life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I know that curse. If yeah. I wanted to. <laughs> um, as for me, my story begins uh, when I was about. 10 or 11 years old, so that put me about in fifth grade. And um, there was this kid in school that he and I did not get along. And after about the fourth or fifth fight in one semester, our teacher did the worst possible thing you could do with us. Now, I understand we have at least two people in our hosts who have served. Is that correct? Yes, that is correct. At at the moment. What do you do with two people who hate each other? Make them hang out. (laughs) (laughs) We got put, uh, we got paired up on the annual science fair project. And so we had to learn to work together. And so I go over to his house. So I'm just like, let's just get this project over with in a weekend. And he said, oh, hey, well, before we go go on, I was eating breakfast and there's this, you you know, you you like Transformers, right? Well, there's this uh, robot cartoon that's on that i really like called BattleTech, and so oh, he, uh, and so yeah i was introduced through the cartoon um and it was you know as a kid i thought those enhanced imaging cg moments were amazing uh <laughs> I, it's they are amazing you know for 1994. We, we uh, found somebody else to match you, Matt. I know. This is I love those cartoons. Both both oh, uh, it, it, BattleTech and Exo Squad. An yeah. It's cheesy as hell and really a lot of cringe, but uh such as how high is Victor Steiner Navy in this scene? Yeah. I love it. 
Yeah, um, <laughs> as a, a, to to celebrate one of our celebrations of the BattleTech cartoon, uh, we have a YouTube channel that's really just um, most of it is just a married couple shooting the shit while while playing games. Mm-hmm. But uh, we did a uh, sort of mystery science theater three thousand meets nostalgia critic of the BattleTech cartoon, and every single episode is up there. Um, and this was before uh, Hyper RPG did that AI upscaling of mm-hmm. the cartoons, so they're the really crappy fidelity, fidelity <laughs> episodes from uh, that were on uh, Sarna's uh, um, server. Well, I figured you guys really liked the cartoons because of your intro music, uh, which is from <laughs> the the cartoon. Oh, if you think we like the cartoons, try the fact that I've. Uh, one of the things with Battletech was I started to get into cosplay for a long time, uh-huh. and eventually uh, became a demo agent and turned around and I made cartoon, I made costumes that were cartoon based for our sons. Oh, that's <laughs> our awesome. son Victor was dressed as Adam. Adam Stein, and Heck yeah, and and our son and our son Morgan was uh, was dressed as Victor, and that was done because Morgan was shorter and blonde. <laughs> So you actually match the descriptions, huh? That's great. That's yeah. Great. Yeah. So, so um, let's to, see. To speed... Go ahead. Yeah. Oh, anyway, to speed up the story a little bit uh, from the uh, cartoon days, um, I was hooked immediately. He gave me a copy of Technical Readout 3050 and the Four Succession War Battletech as a birthday present. Um, and then that following year, he moved away. I have no idea where uh, Alex Fox was the guy's name. No idea where he is now. So if you're um, out there, uh, Alex, get in contact, you know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> no, know that you created a, a, minor, a minor media fiefdom with dozen of fans. <laughs> <laughs> it's all your so, fault. And, uh, and here we are. So Yeah, that's awesome. That's a great start. You know, I, I, I did definitely come into it Somewhat with the original MechWarrior computer game, but uh, definitely with the the cartoons. That definitely brought me into it. Um, yeah, so I, I love that part. I love that part there. So what is your, uh, for both of you, what's your favorite faction and mech? It could be a different unit, but you, we usually ask mech, so it's up to you guys. Here would be House Carito. Carito, okay. But for the clans, it's Jade Falcon. Not Velmi that has it. Jade Falcon. <laughs> Jade Falcon. Yeah, it's like Jade yeah. Falcon at which point, right? <laughs> Mal uh pre Malvina. Okay. Or post Malvina now. <laughs> <laughs> Welcoming um, John. Hey John, how's it going? Hey, what's up, man? Does my audio get tonight? <laughs> so far uh, so good. So far so good, man. Okay, the Jade Falcon signal. He lit up the clouds. <laughs> you came I, in at the right time. I figured you'd be here as soon as you heard Jade Falcon. You were like, "Oh, I gotta get, I gotta get on." My people need me. Exactly, <laughs> they do. Anyway, Jen, hey. favorite Mac? Yeah. Um, oh, I have to yeah. think about that for a second and let you answer. Alrighty. Um, my uh, again, Intersphere faction of choice, and I've having played this now game now for thirty years. I have been around the inner sphere. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I wound up where I started and that is the Lyran Commonwealth, um, with particular attention paid to the, um, the Kellhounds, oh, uh, okay. as their, 
unofficial uh, uh, crack unit of the uh, of the Laren Commonwealth. Yeah, the unofficial um, official. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> How are you not house troops yet? Exactly. Oh, we want to be able to walk away whenever we want. We're not gonna, but we like the privilege. <laughs> um, uh, as far as the clans, um, may they rest in peace and one day rise again. I have always been a huge fan of Clan Nova Cat. Um, during the clan invasion, I enjoyed that their whole shtick was quiet competence for the most part. Uh-huh. Um, and I also kind of like to die on the hill of, hey, we don't do drugs. That's what the Goliath Scorpions do. We starve ourselves into hallucinations, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're somewhat special. Somewhat. Yeah. And what's uh, your favorite uh, so, unit or mech? Uh, that one's a lot easier. My favorite battle mech is the Centurion. It's mine it, too! Mine- <laughs> Moochin! <laughs> yeah, um, Centurion. Love it. It reminds me of Mega Man. Uh, so, so that's why. <laughs> Yeah, I don't. I don't know why I love the Centurion, but I do. It's not really, especially like the nine A. It's not, it's. I mean, it's just there to like blow up at some point. But uh, I still love it. It's just if you Leroy Jenkins into the crowd. Oh, that's all I do. That's all I do. There's your problem. <laughs> probably play. Probably play Vanguard and nothing else on Mass Effect. Just jump right in, baby. <laughs> no time like the present. Yep. Dance a shepherd. <laughs> <laughs> Mrs. Arbiter, what's your favorite mech? Favorite mech was uh, that's a hard one to pin down, but I'd have to say the Fafnir because he never lets me play it. <laughs> I call no, that one. I love you playing. Oh right, which one the was one, it? The one that I never will never play against you with anymore is the Flambeers because you decapitated <laughs> me on the first turn of a game. Although the better answer is anything that I can cur- anything with with enough of a missile pod that I can curl up in and take a nap. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's fair. That's yeah. fair. Yeah. Nice little LRM twenty at you. Lerms for days, dude. Right? <laughs> Look, it's Lerm. like LRM ten. Uh, kid, now so, I went into LRM twenties. I'm just I'm just picturing you like pulling down the doors, uh, missile doors on an archer now, <laughs> like a giant <laughs> sleeping bag. Time for nappy. Do that heck of a way to camp. <laughs> yeah, for sure. You know those. You know, every once in a while, you'll get a, a mech that has like the one ton of cargo space or something. That's what I always imagine is like the the guys sleeping in the semis. Same thing, right there. Just go throw a bed. I like the idea of turning an archer into a bed and breakfast. Ah, that's yeah. I like it. I like it. Yeah. Um, well, headquarters could do that. Yeah. I ooh. Now we got a ooh ooh. Writing something down for a future A Star Wars story. <laughs> Let the ideas flow. So, what uh, do you guys get out to play a lot of like tabletop battle tech? And and if you do, what's kind of like the uh, what's the scene out there and where you guys are at? Well, we just had uh, we're hosting for it's called a Meeplethon. It's a charity convention, and as demo agents, we often will jump between. You know, we'll do whatever. Whatever, whatever works sometimes. Mm-hmm. There's a pretty big Alpha Strike scene here, but uh, there's also enough of a scene for that we got one. We were running a game of, of what we call for a demo agents the grinder, which is a classic. Mm-hmm. And we got someone who got back into the game after his first, after his last set being second edition. <laughs> 
Like he unburied it at home and found it was second edition and when it was back to our table the next day playing. <laughs> That's awesome. That's fantastic. Um as far as the scene uh here in Kansas City, um there were some dark times, uh particularly between uh two thousand and I wanna say two thousand fourteen. Um and you know, trying and slowly dragging interest and getting people together and getting uh um when uh uh, when uh, when uh, the uh, WizKids uh, Click Warrior game went kaput, a lot of folks went kind of went their separate ways on that. There were a couple who uh, hung around though, and so it was just word of mouth. And you know, no, the game never died. It, the other's been at least something published every year between 2000 and now. Um, you know, we we don't talk about the year 2008. That was the darkest of years. Um, <laughs> Uh, and and now, uh, particularly thanks to a demo agent who on the uh, official forums goes by Scotty, uh, he, uh, thanks to the fact that he is younger and unattached, and as far as I know, childless, and I think as far as he knows, childless, um, <laughs> but he has put in the overtime to kind of get the disparate people uh, within 50 miles of the Kansas City area, uh, organized. And now there is uh, Battletech scenes at, like, five different game stores in the Metro. And a game bar. And a game bar. That's awesome. I think yeah, I was counting the awesome. game bar. That's good so, to hear. I know Mike um, kind of jumped in during the click clicky tech um, days, so he, he kind of went through that, the, the dark days after it kind of went kaput, so... We mm. actually took the time to collect all of the posters for the sets, and we have them framed going down our stairs. Oh, that's In order cool. of, of year of release. Yeah. <laughs> so, big, big uh, yeah, we, we, uh, Mrs. Arbor and I don't just play. We, we are collectors of the, the IP. We've, uh, gone back and, and hit flea markets and eBay and whatnot to scrounge stuff up. And uh, you got some of the originals from the, uh, some of the concept art for the cartoon. Yeah, that was a that was a rare find. <laughs> Very rare. I still need to scan it. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine there's not too much of that out there. That's for sure. I yeah, the guy that I bought it from said he was pretty sure he had more, and I never heard back from him. Unfortunately, mm. isn't that the way it goes? Mm-hmm. Um, well, let's see. Uh, since you guys kind of you know you you were saying that you like to review the product and kind of the the IP quite a bit. So what's one wish, and I'll ask each of you separately to answer, but what's one wish you have for Battletech kind of product not related to the Kickstarter for 2024? It's easy. I want an art book with every single one of the of what they of what they predict and draw out as the uniforms. Because a I uniforms, want it. okay. Costumes. Oh, so you you want a cosplay guide? Yes. Ooh. Yeah, that that is not one I have heard yet. I like that. I like that. Um, And I heard that the the Fed Sons use like Jane Fonda uh, leotards as their combat. That's exactly what they do. They they steal them from the Jade Falcons. They've got blow ups, too. They got the big 80s hair. It was out there. Yeah. Uh Uh, I'm just wondering how the heck you're uh, like the classic Fed Sons uniforms. The 3025 era ones had this like massive starburst across the right shoulder that like went all the way like some of the arms of the burst like went down to the rib cage on the opposite side and like how the heck would you even make that because it's a bride sash 
but they're clearly metal, is my point. They're, it's they're still a bright <laughs> <laughs> that, that is a very, very unique request. I, I, that'd be interesting, because uh, you definitely don't get enough of that out there currently. Well, and uh, it's all scattered between different, between a late, over 200 books. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely not all in all in one volume at all. That's for sure. Um, yeah, as, Mr. Arbiter. As for me, as for me uh, problem is I could shoot off like 300 different ideas. And like, I think a tenth of them now are going to be fulfilled by the universe book finally coming out. Um, mm-hmm. I really, really want to see in its probably gonna happen in the future but i don't know it yet um but i kind of want there to be a second or i guess it would be third star league an ill clan star league uh field manual built along the same lines of the one that was published uh under uh when uh herb bees was a line developer back when uh back when we had the uh, year more like 18 months of uh of the star league so what do you like about that particular one that you'd like to see repeated? Um, I am a logistics and organizational nut, and I really like the idea of seeing how the a, a Star League Defense Force that uh, may be run by the clans, but has will have to, one way or another, uh, integrate intersphere forces into it, mm-hmm. and how that's going to be blended. Um, perhaps we'll see th- a formation t- uh, where instead of the traditional Lance Company battalion t- uh, type formation, maybe we'll end up seeing more modern and realistic uh, designations like platoon. Uh, and like with uh, modern tank platoons, it's like eight to a platoon or something. Okay. And then expand from there. Um, or, yeah, the, the, because I... I Sorry, I have to get my thoughts, and I have to figure out what I'm not, uh, what what's covered under NDA here for a minute, because <laughs> sure. I do, because I do know some secret squirrel things, uh, but I, but but this, but I'm not, but I also know when I am, and I'm not traipsing on it. Um, the uh, there is no earthly way that the rise of the Eel Clan is eventually going to turn the whole inner sphere wolf brown. That that. That wasn't the idea, and it was never the goal. And I think a lot of people uh, in the fandom forget that, or don't realize that. So, the Eel Clan was supposed to become the new Terran hegemony. Um, and all of the clans would answer to them, but not be integrated into them. It'd be an acknowledgement of authority. And, you know, was the original idea to conquer the Intersphere Nations, and then, like, distribute the them among the clans? Who knows? That's not what's... But that's probably not what's going to be happening. So we've got yeah. two two fundamentally different um, logistical patterns here, and you either got to figure out how to blend them, or you got to come up with a new idea on how to do it. And that's kind of like the thing that fascinates me most is that how are how are the um, how how are we going to see the clusters or the divisions or the galaxies uh, get named? Uh, are we going to see revival of Star League ideas? Or are we going to see rejection of Star League ideas because? Uh, because yes, they may have come from the Star League, but remember, the first and the second Star League failed, and they use these ideas. So let's like honor the past, but not be adhered to it. And so how how 
I would like to see that f- a, a fresh new take on the organizational doctrine of, uh, of the third Star League uh, in particular. Same One but could different. say it's a right. study of the ripple effect. There. <laughs> there. <laughs> well, I- I'm going to throw the, the question out to, to the other guys, too. Bourbon, what would you like to see in 2024 as far as kind of like the, the Battletech product out there? Not Kickstarter-related, though. Man... Skip me for now. No, <laughs> go, go, to, <laughs> go to Mike, man. I'd hey, be- Mike, what do you want, man? My BattleTech wish for twenty four would be in, and I'm actually surprised. So they kind of already started it with the what now one, maybe two official painting guides. Yeah, they've got two out now. But I want a complete one book official painting guide for everything. <laughs> So, so, so what we've got here is we need all the costumes and all and, the paint schemes. Yes, dude, hundred percent. Okay, hundred percent. Because we, <laughs> everyone's always asking, how do I paint this? Um, but like, we we like to paint our stuff mostly. I think the majority of folks like to paint at least some of their units in official schemes. And having a general guide, because especially there's a lot of new players between the two kickstarters. So having a reference guide an actual full like compendium uh, would be super awesome. And I'm still also back in the uniforms because as more, more and more people go to conventions and the convention battle tech convention scene grows, people want to cosplay and then I'm all for it, man. It's nice. Uh, John, you here with us? No, John, no, he, he stepped up. Uh, okay. Sorry, Ben. Back to you, all man. right. All right, man. <laughs> Got him. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. I've been I've been diving into a lot of weird shit lately. So um I I just remember so fondly, you know, leafing through a lot of the old like MechWarrior uh two RPG books, especially like intelligence operations and like the covert ops book that FanPro put out. And um I'd like to see something kind of to update that in the Oakland era. I think that'd be kind of neat. Interesting. So, well, it, do you want it to be kind of geared just towards RPG or, or something more broad? What do you, what well, do you think? I think I think when you're because again, I've been doing weird shit lately. Um, I think when you get into the covert ops side, you almost have to make an RPG related. And I, I'd like to see more. I'm not a huge fan of the Time of War sin, system, um, but I'd like to see more source material for a Time of War, the RPG side. Okay. Very interesting. Can I add? Uh, a, can I have a second BattleTech request since John isn't oh, here? Oh, here we go. Mike wants two. Yeah, I want two. Go for it. I want a complete revision and update to Hexless Classic. Yes, I like that. We have that. Okay. It's called Alpha Strike. <laughs> no, 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 Alpha Strike is Alpha Strike. I want Hexless Classic. I want. <laughs> I want the the record sheets of Classic with Alpha Strike movement. I know it already exists as the miniatures rules, and it's it's a good. 80% solution, I want to see it to at 100. Mm. Do you want it more like more beefed up and like built into its own thing rather than just like. Yeah, because kind of a like lot a of this stuff, because that was written in what? What what was the date on that? Like, Shoot, that was, was 2000. Early 2000s. Yeah, early um, 2000s. And then so, it got updated in 08 and then it got a, and then it got a bunch of erratas uh, with the most recent uh, reprinting of the core rule books. But yeah, I, I want, I want updated hexless classic i would actually I'm, I'm gonna put that as my number one and i'm gonna move official painting guy to number two okay i'm, I'm swapping Hex- them hexless classic there you go 
Uh, mine, mm-hmm. mine. I'm just going to throw out, and I think this is already going to be happening. Um, is uh, faction based uh, force packs. That's that's what I really look forward to. Is really seeing you know uh, the boxes coming out with the mechs for each faction because I really like kind of faction play. And I think that's another good thing for kind of beginners, um, especially is to kind of be like, oh, I would like this faction. What do I play with? Oh, there's this box. You just go pay, you know, you go buy for, you go buy it and you can just play it. So that's the thing that I'd like to see. And I think that'll, that'll be happening in the near future. So I've always been surprised about how much of a brain block it is for new players to the IP. when When, when you say, believe it or not, everyone has, or can get access to almost anything that has a gun on it. And just, you see the blue screen of death in their <laughs> eyes. It's overwhelming sometimes, I, I guess. So. Well, yeah, and I think a lot of, you know, a lot of people coming from other gaming systems where it's very different, where, like, one faction has this set of, of things, and that does not overlap at all with, you know, the other faction that they're playing against. Um, so you don't see too much, at least what I've seen, you don't see like too much overlap in 40 K or something like that. Um, yeah. the thing that I always explain is that, uh, you know, imagine a world where, or, or a galaxy where, uh, NATO and, or the Soviet union completely won. And so there was just one big manufacturing base for everything. And, yeah. and it, it was just, even that kind of still like, but so much. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's definitely a lot of units out there. John, I see your your thing popping. You with us? I'm here. Yeah. Okay, what's your what's your one wish for BattleTech product in the new year, not related to the Kickstarter? Oh, everyone knows what I want. I want Dark Age Jade Falcon mechs. I want the Hero Falcon Ion Sparrow, the Jade Phoenix in plastic. Jade, that is in plastic. Falcon, the Flamberge. What? In, in plastic? plastic? Yeah. Okay, that's what I thought. Yeah, I want. Give me, give me all the partial wings in plastic in one box. <laughs> Nerd, rice it up, you just baby. Go ahead and hold your breath until that happens. Get <laughs> uh, your jump strong I'm out into of here. That. Get it out. Yeah. Uh, no fun. Okay, mm-hmm. well, jump strong still lost Terra. Uh, <laughs> I said we won't it. go in. We won't go into that tonight, Mike. We can beat the wolves. <laughs> we can beat the wolves. Uh, he can beat the wolf <laughs> Let's not even try, guys. Okay, we're going to jump into the main metal for the night, guys. Uh, so that is going... To, we're going to talk about the forthcoming Battletech cookbook. Um, and that's awesome, and I know so little about it. So we have our guests here to help us out. So, Arbiter Crew, how did this idea for a cookbook come about? Well, I'll be the best one to answer that, because my name's the one on the cover. <laughs> nice. And just to say, I found out it was being published the same time as everybody else. (laughs) You didn't have any prior knowledge of it, huh? No. It was a work in progress, and then it was just a moment of, oh, so this is when it's being published. Did did you know it was going to be a stretch goal? Nope. Oh, shit. (laughs) Dude, when I saw that listed as a stretch goal, I was like, fucking bet, let's go, everybody I need this. <laughs> I need to cook things. I love food, dude. <laughs> I doesn't everyone? <laughs> so how did this this idea kind of come about? Because it sounds like it was it was kind of behind the scenes, you know, before the Kickstarter officially got rolling. Um, so was this something that um, you presented to Catalyst, or was this something that came to you and said, "Hey, 
we know you cook great or you have a lot of recipes? You know, how'd this, how'd this kind of come together? Well, is that the, my husband, well, we backed at the Kerensky level on the clan Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. And when we finally got to enjoy our Kerensky con, I was talking with John Helfers, the literary, um, literary editor in chief. And I just said, look, I, I have this English degree. I'd love to do something more. He same test the same time, I think like later that day, he was asking me, okay, so you know how to bake, right? Yes. So how do you want to write a cookbook? Okay. <laughs> um there there's a little there there's like <laughs> there's like a little bit of prologue to this that 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 she uh kind of that uh Jen kind of forgot. Um I was about to ask, was there like you gave him some sort of special muffins or something? What was this like? He knew you had a he knew you knew how okay. to bake or something? Okay, there are two prologues here. Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, the the first prologue, the foreword, if you will, is that uh, one of one of Jen's names among the Catalyst demo team that uh, rolls around at Gen Con every year is Snack Fairy, um, because she will roll up and make sure that everyone's got whether it's prepackaged or stuff that she made before the con that everyone gets enough calories that they're not going to pass out. Uh, That's important. Being a demo in a crowded yeah. uh, convention hall of 30,000 of your best friends, half of them carrying some kind of disease, as we all know, if you've ever been to Gen Con. Um, so that that's the forward. The prologue to this is that, and I think this happened the same day that, um, that, that uh, John asked her the, how would you like to write a cookbook thing? Um, because even then that was hypothetical. Mm-hmm. Um, was that uh, in in a panel with Lauren Coleman and Randall Bills and John Helfers and Brian Evans um, talking about how the Kickstarter for uh, the Clan Invasion was such a boon for the company because what they had, was, what that did was that gave Catalyst a bunch of financial breathing room because they, they, no one gets into the gaming industry to make money, you know? It, yeah. it is a feast or famine industry. Um, and, and so the company had a lot of flexibility to, to breathe, uh, the, they made a lot of investments in the demo team for like the first time ever. Um, and, and a lot of marketing push. And then, and finally it came down to, you know, we've got the resources now to consider some of the wacky, goofy novelty products that are, are out there. That, you know, people have always said, oh, I'd love to see this. I'd love to see that. Um, and pulled us all on what we would like to see. And some of the ideas were good. Some of them were bad. All of mine sucked. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if a cookbook came up in that conversation, though. Or if it did, maybe you and I were away because we need to make sure that the boys got to sleep because it was an evening combo. Mm-hmm. It probably was. It probably was somebody, one of the other Kerenskys mentioning that. I was kind of thought of, this would be cool. Because, I mean, the Battletech universe, you know, yes, it is about politics. Yes, it is about giant stompy robots. But there's an awful lot of food in there. One would argue that the entire Casas belly of the story started with a man giving his wife a piece of wedding cake. There, there, that certainly was a hinge hinge point. Uh, of yeah, because yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, there was a, there was a sort of and the dagger and the gray death trilogy. But I mean, really, <clears throat> I mean th- those those were like so early that they almost don't fit anymore in the nature of the universe. Meanwhile, Mike Stackpole is forever. So that is true. The man, the myth, the legend. (laughs) 
So you kind of kind of right right place and right time to be to kind of get into the the start of the cookbook. So so like what kind of materials, what source material have you dived into? Have you looked like through all of the the fiction? I mean, I literally dove into every. I took about three months diving into every single one of the of the of the fiction books mm-hmm. going word for word marking food and drink and eat and going through oh, every single reference to find the ones that are listed and where they're listed she so learned in, search engine optimization really fast i can imagine yeah that's uh that's not a small amount of some of words some boolean search but i mean Um, because there's not like a recipe given how did you kind of like come up with it was it something where you found something similar and then well a lot of it was really easy that some of them were really simple recipes like you have um one whole scene where they're talking about the rations i have oh well i have the naranji and rice here oh yeah Mm -hmm. well i can trade you some pork pork and beans and rock and rock bread (laughs) (laughs) um (laughs) And the, and and for all of the fancy um, alien flora and fauna that are out there, when it came down to it, a lot of uh, a lot of uh, the food that was described was fairly mundane. Mm-hmm. I think I encountered all of three explicitly alien vegetables, and one of them was simply described as a blue tuber uh, like <laughs> root. And all I'm thinking is, so it's a purple potato. Yeah, that's exactly what I thought of. <laughs> yeah, and right? actually, uh, purple potatoes do exist, by the way. Yeah, they do. Um, yeah, um, the, the, the big things to research were um, pati- for the few uh, items that don't exist in the real world, Naranji mm-hmm. being a big one. Um, Naranji sounds like orange. It's, it sounds like it's a citrus fruit. But we didn't know how it tasted, and there's like 400 different cultivars of citrus on earth. I did, however, manage to research my way into a description of it being a apple, straw apple, orange, and uh, with a hint of strawberry. Well, I found a fruit that matched. Oh, really? The Karakara orange. Oh, okay. It is the tasting notes almost exactly. The only difference is it was more of a berry flavor than a strawberry flavor. Mm-hmm. It ended up where I made some, made, I made up a, a marmalade, I, I began to work up a marmalade off of that, sent it to John, and he's sitting there like, hmm, okay. <laughs> and I sold his wife on it, and she's very picky. <laughs> yeah. That would be, um, um, yeah, tasting it, I guess. I mean, at least, like, taste testing these things would be kind of interesting as well, for sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, we're, we're still uh, eating almost nothing but peanut butter and jelly sandwiches right now. Because <laughs> uh, uh, the, the, the month of November was, uh, was her writing deadline, and then they asked for photos, and then it turned out that they didn't need photos because they were going to do illustrations. Well, and that's still up in the air. I still have no idea, but that's out of my that's out of my side of it right now. So, but the point <laughs> is that because they wanted photos, we had to do a lot of a lot of cooking in a very short time, and it was just like I don't want any more flavor. I learned how to work with fondant for a cake for yeah. one corner piece of a cake. I want to move out of Flavor Town. Yeah. Uh, was there. Guy Fieri has kidnapped me. <laughs> was there like one. Fortunately, faction? on the things 
the fortunately oh, the things that my husband can't do and so I was really reluctant to do it in the house and mostly he's also allergic to shellfish. So oh. I can't so I had I got some help from some from someone to double check the shellfish recipes. There you go. Uh, yeah. But was- really the weirdest there's the one really interesting thing with how to prep and plan towards this cookbook. And the first thing was, okay, how the hell do you write a cookbook for some for something that's this universe wide when at a, at a point in time when it's no longer international, intercontinental, interplanetary, it's just cuisine. Mm-hmm. And that's where I helped you. Oh yeah, you. My husband was a huge help. So I began to kind of off-brand my off-brand stuff and said, okay. Let's see, let's make sure we look at the legalese first, and then we will just dive right in and see what we can find. Because, mm-hmm. believe it or not, a bunch of those food babe blogs and whatnot that try to share the recipes, but they, but before that you have to go through 500 words of, my grandmother always made this, and it's the same guy. God, I hate that. Over and over again. Yeah. Well, there's a reason for that, actually. You can't copyright the recipe, but you can copyright the story. Mm, okay. That's I mean, I get it, but I hate it. That's according to the U.S. <laughs> so, um... U.S. Copyright I, Office. I just appreciate the jump to recipe button, man. <laughs> <laughs> and when they don't have it, I almost be like, oh, I'm sure it's good, but I'm going to find one with this button. <laughs> <laughs> um, Without giving away too much of uh, the cookbook, too, the, the other big question is that when you are dealing with alien flora and fauna, how do you solve for that? Because, um, you know, they, they're not using cow. They're using uh, Trinity World Ranger or some hexapodal like brontosaurus or something as a protein source, for example. Yeah. And that's when I pulled the greatest explanation out of my ass uh, when writing a foreword for the cookbook for Jen. Um and so the uh, the the short version I I don't want to I don't want to spoil too much of that but the foreword is sure. written in character by uh, the BattleTech character Chandra Soccer Karita. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if you're familiar with him or not. No, not. Um, <clears throat> obviously, with the last name, he's kind of a big big guy. Um, yeah, you would. But think he so. is he is he's Theodore Karita's like third cousin and was and is the CEO of a, a company called Hodgman Tarot. And he has two nicknames about him. The first one is the Smiling Buddha, and the second one is Uncle Chandy. And he has this public perception of being kind of the um, a, a combination of Warren Buffett uh, in, in terms of business sense, but also kind of, kind of a giant goober. Uh, very, very, very indulgent in the finer things in life. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, yeah, the... And so the fo- he wrote the foreword. The book in universe is published by a division of his of his business empire. And the explanation is for one for all of the uh, alien fauna that we consume. It all tastes like beef, pork, or chicken. So that makes it easier for you guys. <laughs> yeah. So things will be described as bovine, porcine, or fowl for the most part. Uh, fish is a- fish, no matter the yeah. no matter where you are. And when it came, when it comes to alien flora, be- well, honestly, we took all of our all of our uh, farming uh, implements, including seeds, with us. 
when we when we reach the stars. So it's Which all makes there sense. So that's you know things might be genetically modified. They may be crossbred, but really, an apple is an apple is an apple is an apple. Um. So that and the reason why is because seeds are easy to pack in spacecraft, and and they don't weigh on, anything. <laughs> well, you know, you're weighing seed. You're measuring seeds by the pound at that point. Yeah. Well, and imagine the technology to be able to preserve or freeze. You wouldn't even need to freeze them. Most seeds are shelf stable for decades. I know. Yeah. So, um, but but so you know that would to the point where really any obvious alien plant matter that is used in cuisine tends to be there for presentation almost more than as a nutritional component. Uh-huh. Um. And there and there's more on into that. We've uh, uh, Jennifer and I together created a, a a lot of uh, a lot of little sidebars and and funny stories um, in the uh, in the cookbook about uh, uh, that are uh, that 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 are not food related, but food culture related, mm. and particularly in some cases military food culture related. Oh, I'm sure that's um, interesting. One thing that I like, oh, one thing that I'm particularly proud of, uh, is for um, the Trinity World's chili recipe. Um, what what I suggested we do, and I'm not sure if this is going to happen. It's just a suggestion in the draft. Is that the whole page is scratched out, and there's a post-it note saying, "We don't need a recipe for chili broth, protein, aromatics, chili paste." Beans, if you're weird, getting into the into the jive of uh, chili chili makers everywhere. Exactly, um, but yeah, you know, and, and yeah, you know, what what's going to become of that? I I don't know. It could end that could end up on the cutting room floor, in all honesty. So don't look for it. But uh, that that was something that we uh, we wrote. Um, probably the most fun thing though, uh, particularly because I did a lot of it, uh, was the cocktails. Oh, and, um, and I've listened to a few episodes of this show. <laughs> I know I got your attention. Hey, I didn't create them. I just mix them and try them. <laughs> um, in I've, fairness, I've been telling Ben for a little bit. Like once, once we get through this this Reddit list of recipes, which everyone can confirm is ninety nine percent awful. Oh, uh, we need to remake them and actually make them good. Well, and it, uh, it it's come to a point to where I'm like, do we even finish this list? Before we start <laughs> making good shit, <laughs> I mean, we only have ten more to go. We can get through this have, year. Have you oh, okay, to the okay. Point where they're suggesting mixing Mountain Dew vodka and something else. Well, that was like episode one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of that. Uh, I mean, I mean, I, if you're going, if you're going to start on this journey to alcoholism, I guess you should start with the worst. We already enlisted, bro. Yeah, that was that, was... that journey is complete. <laughs> I started when I was eighteen. Uh... Anyway, well, jumping it back though for a minute. Yeah. Sorry, because I had to step up for a second. The most enjoyable thing for me has been a very weird discovery. Never write a cookbook when you're hungry. That, that makes sense, though. That's like, like going shopping when you you're hungry. You don't go shopping right? when you're hungry. That's why I have fudge striped cookies in the freezer right now. <laughs> cookies? Exactly. No, I honestly enjoyed doing, making the item, the various baking items the most because I discovered my ultimate chocolate chip cookie recipe. 
Oh, well, I mean, that's a benefit, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, From all of the the research that you've done, was it kind of easier for particular factions? Was it easier, you know, Um, Davian versus Capellan? I'm not sure it was necessarily easier. A lot of it was kind of what culture do you, what culture is connected here? What culture is connected here? So I could Mm -hmm. find a Greek recipe somewhere and give it a connection. Or I could find one that's primarily Iranian and give it a connection. I mean, I had to look at when you have to think a little more, a little more worldwide. It's it gets it gives you a really interesting perspective. And the other thing too is that um for all of uh for all of the uh, f- fact that there are these large star empires that dominate the map culture wise, you have to go. You know, you're talking about. A planet and it's like three closest neighbors. Um, the Trinity worlds uh, are my favorite example of this, um, where you've got three worlds, hence hence the name, and they are all base Arizona, New Mexico, and Nevada, and that's their culture. And but they are also neck deep in the Free Worlds League. Uh-huh. And when you think the Free Worlds League, your first impulse is the Baltic states, the Mediterranean states, North Africa, and a little bit of India. Mm-hmm. Um, so what what is Space Arizona, Nevada, and New Mexico doing over here, uh, over yonder? Yeah, that's an um, interesting mixture. Likewise, my favorite faction, House Steiner. When you think of House Steiner, what culture, what Terran culture do you naturally think of? Deutschland. Yes, but when you look at the at the districts that made that joined up to become the Lyran Commonwealth, first off, none of them were German. You had the Isle of Skye, which was even with even despite its name, was only partly Scottish. It was also French and Italian in there. <clears throat> you had the district of Donegale with its strong Irish bent and was almost more British than uh House Davian was. And then you had my favorite. I hope you guys can include English cuisine in this cookbook. That would be torturous. <laughs> the England doesn't have cuisine. <laughs> yeah. The only right. thing that they stole everything from cuisine. everyone else. God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're like, I'm out for breakfast. English we have some beans and cold Right. Jesus. It's like imperialism, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's why exactly imperialism right. got got its start. They f- England was exposed to tea and curry powder, and the world was a worse place ever since. No, wait, we do have fish and chips. Oh, yes. Yes. That was a direct reference. Mm-hmm. Um, nice. But to continue, the Tamar Pact is, uh, is um, Iranian Americans, for the most part. Like, pre-fall of Ayatollah Iran. And mm-hmm. a strong mixture of like North American states culturally. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, wh- where did the German come from? Crazy bitch got made Archon and made German the national language. And there you go. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> uh, uh, Archon Marsden was her name. Yeah. So, so have you guys, uh, have you guys, I mean, you, it sounds like you've experimented quite a bit. Do you guys have like a favorite dish that you'd like to share or maybe? Well, I do have a cocktail. I am willing to uh, share with you guys. Oh, snap. Uh, I, I need double to pull drink up. of the month. Double drink of the month. <laughs> yes. I do need to pull up the draft, so in the meantime, 
um oh wait this is the uh that's the excel spreadsheet thing on on my uh, google drive not the uh um jen i'll let you take over while i uh <laughs> maneuver i'm not sure if i necessarily have a favorite the trouble is after making so uh, so many of these ones to go through the one that is i'm the most curious about right now is uh is one that is like a seafood casserole but that's only because I can't, we don't really get seafood at home. Yeah, that sounds interesting <laughs> to begin with. Landlocked in uh, the center of a country. <laughs> <laughs> that as well. So, on the, uh, we all know about the horrible idea that is uh, the PPC in Battletech with cocktails. So many but, versions. Uh, so I've heard. So many versions. We may have taken it one step further. <laughs> oh, no. Now we call now this isn't a cocktail so much as it is a drinking ritual. And it was a drinking ritual I was exposed to by my brother-in-law, uh, who served in the Air Force. And he was introduced to it because uh when he was in Guam, there was a period of time where like every special operations group on, in the uh, Department of Defense was there all at once. And so no one's liver survived that weekend. Um <clears throat> But uh, we call this the weapons check. Um, but uh, I, you know, in the uh, little spiel beforehand, we wrote, Walking the plank, weapons check, bombing run, how I met your mother. These are the numerous names for a military drinking ritual dating as far back as 19th century Terra. The basic premise was to consume multiple two-shot cocktails in rapid succession, followed by rapid consumption of a beer of the user's choice. Fastest time wins. Um, and so we present three different iterations of the weapons check. We present the one that was uh, the tradition in the Star League Defense Force, uh, particularly among both uh, the uh, Damocles Commandos and the Furies. And then we create one that is essentially the good parts of the PPC in succession, followed by a Timbiki Dark or any sort of uh, Dunkel beer. And then we present the periphery weapons check, which is, well, a bunch of liquors that was like, yeah, this is that we could associate these with the various periphery powers. It seems like those would be the a, worst. Uh, including a special Hawaiian tequila for House Orano. Um, Naranji or orange juice, uh, 151 rum, uh, cherry brandy, and then uh, and then just vodka for the uh, Outworlds Alliance because we figured they're so broke that's all they can make. What do you think, Ben? Uh, I think it'll work. Needs more man. bourbon. You know, doesn't, doesn't have enough bourbon <laughs> in it, but uh, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, Stiffen that up. The other the other thing that uh, we made, uh, which was to honor the uh, former line developer for Click Warrior, <laughs> um, uh, yes, we call uh, Kelly Bonilla. Uh, I'm not sure how familiar you are with her, um, but uh, her 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 team and the Wiz Kids internal thing was called uh, internal league was called Clan Fuzzy Bunny, mm. and so we made a Fuzzy Bunny cocktail. Um. And the simple explanation of this is to abjure clam, it is clam a fuzzy, fuzzy naval principle. <laughs> Say what? I said I'd like to raise raise the motion to abjure clan fuzzy bunny on principle. <laughs> <laughs> All in favor? Never. <laughs> okay. Well, 
Anyway, uh, <laughs> anyway, short version, it's a fuzzy navel mixed with equal amounts of a sparkling wine like a Moscato or a Prosecco or something. Splash of grenadine to make it pink. So A fuzzy bunny. More mm-hmm. of a girly drink. <laughs> it sounds sounds like it's in that yeah in that <laughs> scheme. We 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 go hard on a few things. Um there there's a recipe in there for a cocktail version of necrosia and I'm not going to spoil that one. It's special. It'll ha- that will have you seeing sounds and tasting colors. Yeah, leave that one for the blindness, right? <laughs> oh no, 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 no. It won't make you blind. It's not, it's alcohol content is actually pretty low in comparison to a lot of things. Um, there's, but, a reason the, there's a reason the drink section has a warning about vision quests. <laughs> Don't operate your battle <laughs> drink. That's pretty good. <laughs> um, I think my favorite thing with, my favorite thing among the recipes are two recipes that are lifted and a friend of ours. Um, and contributor worked up, who is a trained bartender himself, that were, um, that are literally come from one line in two different books. One of the lines, one of the lines is speaking of an amber cocktail, just an amber cocktail, no description at all beyond that. The second one is a line of, it tasted like she was biting into a honeycomb. And so, God bless that man with with those two descriptors. He made two cocktails up. Wow, that's uh, you got to have some talent to go from that to a cocktail. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's how much <laughs> research I was doing. <laughs> I went down to the lines and like went book by book by book, handwriting and then typing in and saved all the notes. Oh, it's it. It was crazy, but it was a lot of fun. I was gonna say through through all your research, um, is there a moment where you couldn't quite figure something out and you had to reach out to an author and be like, "What were you thinking when you wrote this?" Not like, "What were you thinking?" But like, "What was running through your mind?" Like, <laughs> "What is this supposed to emulate?" Essentially, believe it or not, no. Surprisingly, there weren't actually. But I also that is surprising, have strong, at least to me. I also have uh, my my degrees actually in English with an emphasis in creative writing. So a lot of it is where I actually kind of was just looking through the text and reading through the lines of how does this translate? How would this could this translate into a recipe? And the bigger thing is the is the fact that we do not have a spot towards beers because that's those there are books listed rented on how to brew beer. I'll leave it to the experts. We we can't teach people how to brew beer in one page. And there was yeah. things like the Aridani light beer among suggestions. And Timbiki <laughs> Dark. And there were there were suggestions I hated that I still included. Um But I we gave them our own twist though. We um, gave them we gave a few things our own fun lore. Nice. Um what <laughs> one of my favorite jokes in there is that um in the uh the, there's a recipe for homemade pancake mix in there with and there's a little note uh that we wrote in there of if if how to make pancakes ever becomes lost tech humanity is truly doomed <laughs> that's very true um, yeah <laughs> so uh the the uh, as far as other like researches and whatnot um a good part of this actually came from me professionally cuz uh what um I, 
with my work, um, I have to attend uh, an annual meeting that includes a formal banquet every year. Uh, so we have been exposed to, for the last 20 years of my professional career, a lot of fine dining and fancy food and how to figure out tastes and whatnot. So like when we were dissecting uh, Hans and Melissa's wedding menu for potential inclusion, I was almost like immediately, yes, I know how to, I know how to prepare that because I've seen the final product and I'm not a bad cook. I'm not great, but I'm not bad. Um, well, and when you come to that, you also have to, you also have a lot of other considerations I had to think about, which included social etiquette of what a, uh, social etiquette for a wedding or social etiquette for state dinners. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's actually a lot more you have. There's a lot more than just research and thought behind, behind, behind a simple recipe, which is the weirdest thing that you don't think of. No, the one thing yeah. that that uh, that Jen was actually brilliant at. Um, first off, made a concerted effort for both imperial and metric measurements on all of the recipes because this is going to be internationally published. Yeah. Um. But the other thing that she did was uh, there is a whole chart and table in there about measurements and tools that you will need. Um, and uh, I, we, I think the actual like cutting techniques and whatnot when using a knife was kind of left on the on the floor because we weren't doing anything that required like fine chopping techniques or whatnot. Well, it wasn't more mm -hmm. about chopping. It was more the definition of what is miced, what is chopped, what is the size you're looking at. Where it could it's be different in every country, this, right? If you've, but if you've never, if you're, if you're looking at it and you're not a very good cook, we also have tips and moments of this is what a roux, de the definition of a roux is. This is what the definition of this is. This, this those is... basic things you don't think about, but they never include. On top of making sure that even if it's a recipe and you can find something, like you can find the bread at the store, fine. We give you the recipe for the bread if you want to try to make it. Yeah, so, so it's kind of like I mean, you've got a section for those kind of like it, for different levels of, of cooking, you know. So mm -hmm. if you want to do this, well, it, yeah. All, all sensitivity to the, um, uh, to, to the audience here. I got to presume that a significant portion of the Battletech audience are people who generally like would view Taco Bell as fine dining. Mm, now you're talking. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah, I didn't know what a roux was till I met my wife. And now I know a lot of cooking terminology and I well, cook and, a lot with and her. My, and the only reason why I knew how to cook, cook a lot of different things before I got into college was that my, my mom figured that I was going to be single my entire life. So she she made sure I knew how to take care of myself. Um, it worked. <laughs> so yeah, I I had a I had um, a basic. Uh, I don't want to say culinary because that sounds snobby, but it's but a basic food preparatory uh, education mm -hmm. that a lot of people, particularly if you went to in a uh, went to high school in the '90s and early aughts probably didn't get because like home mac was stopped home mac dude <laughs> <laughs> love it so. love home mac 
Well, it's, I'm glad to hear that that's in there because it definitely, I mean, yeah, you're kind of covering all the bases of it being, you know, international, but also like for kind of a varied audience and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, is there yeah, we anything? Wanted, we, we, we went out of our way to make sure that this was a multi-skill level book and that you could progress to more and more complex recipes if you wanted. Yeah. That's dope. And it, no one says you have to make the recipe. You can't yeah, just buy yeah. something from the store. It's just, I like to get the option. I have I think I bought about 20 or so different fantasy-based cookbooks, and uh-huh. I was just, just doing my research, pulling through them, and I, I was looking at all the things I hated about the cookbooks, mostly <laughs> when they give you a different name, but they don't give you the actual name of the recipe. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, that would be weird to not be able to like have the the source, the real source. Um, yeah, it drove me nuts looking through these. And then they'll then oftentimes they'll tell you, "Oh, you use this, but we're not going to tell you how to make it." <laughs> or it's the secret. Or where to get it. I can't tell you how many times I've uh we ran across pot sticker recipes where they don't even list wonton wrappers in the ingredient list. It's all about the filling, and then it says stuff the wonton wrapper without saying either A, how to make your own, or B, go to your local Asian market. Well, I live in middle of F nowhere, Tennessee. <laughs> we don't have one. I have yeah. to go to Nashville for that. <laughs> yeah, so do you, I mean, it sounds like you've, I mean, you've definitely been working through a draft and everything. Is there like a timeline for it that you guys have? Or is it kind of like, it sounds like you guys that are in, on the peanut butter. That one we are at liberty and... to disclose. Sure. That yeah, one okay. we're at liberty to disclose at this point. Yeah. The hope it... is, I there's hopes, there's dreams, and there's realities. And none of them we really know yeah. at this point. I, I was more wondering if it was, it was supposed to kind of come with when the Kickstarter kind of fulfills or if it will kind of come separately later or something like that. But I guess, you know, you don't, you don't know that as well. Really well, sure. But the bigger problem is that the bigger problem is more to do with that, with a lot of, with shipping being out of our hands. We might know and understand when stuff is done and the book's ready. But if it's, if you have another Suez Canal incident, you're going to yeah. have a longer way again. Um, sure. and, I guess... the other, and the other thing is, is that the uh, the written draft. So right now this is in editing and layout, uh-huh. um, and getting like art assigned to it and whatnot. But our, the written draft, our part of it, was finished and submitted on uh, in no- mid November, and we haven't heard anything back yet. So you know, now we're kind of waiting to see where things. Where step two goes, and we, we had a push because they want it to be part. Uh, they they would like the at least the digital version of this to be part of the first wave of backer rewards being go going out, and yeah. that's and that's not spoiler territory or anything. That's already public knowledge, not about the cookbook specifically, but they want to get as much out as possible for fulfillment's sake. Uh, For sure, yeah. Uh, in the first wave. Um, so a- a- as far as whether or not it'll make that or if it'll make Gen Con or whatever, I don't know. Yeah. So. Well, I'm just, I'm glad to hear that it's like kind of, you know, moving along in the process and that that's something else that, I mean, it, it's kind of fascinating to kind of be able to delve into it a little bit more with, you know, like 
you know, if there was like, if you knew the music or something, but in this case, we know the somewhat of the food and kind of delving into that. That'll be kind of fun. I really like that idea. You never think about how much people have to put effort work people have to put into make writing a cookbook until you do it yourself. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that was, that was and kind then of that startling. Gives me, it gives you a weird second thought of, wait, we trust this part, whoever wrote this cookbook enough not to poison us, but we're not going <laughs> to trust everything else we hear. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a good thought. I didn't, I, I never have thought about that until you said that. And now I'm, I'm looking at my wife's cookbooks and I'm thinking, hmm. What do we got here? <laughs> you know. <laughs> well, is there anything else that you guys would like to talk about as far as the cookbook uh, while we have you here? Just oh. uh, that when it eventually uh, comes into your hands, I, that we hope you enjoy it and uh, bon appetit. <laughs> well, I'm I'm looking forward to I'm looking forward to uh, trialing a lot of things, so that should be a lot of fun. And uh, with that, I think that concludes our main medal talking about the fourth. Oh, the coming. one thing I will oh. say is. Mrs. From Arbiter. the Car Car Oranges are available from December to March. So if you really want to try an orange, you can. And what was the what was the flavor description again for the Car Car? Car Oranges. It is a it is a, a citrus apple and slight berry. Citrus apple slight berries. Well, there you go, folks. Go and try your Car Cars while they are available. I do have a quick question, real quick. So for the cookbook, I, and I guess I can kind of conclude it through everything we've talked about so far, but just to specifically ask, um, you mentioned that possibly be, or the, the hope is to be at least delivered digitally with the initial wave. Um, so we are also to anticipate a physical, I can hold it in my hands cookbook. Oh, it was, it was always going to be a physical cookbook. Outstanding. Uh, Digital is me extrapolating. I'm not even sure if there is going to be a digital form like that or if they're going to... Uh, or if it'll be back or exclusive initially. We or, don't know those or, details. Or to get the gotcha. book out while they, while they prep the physical stuff. There, there was, this was always going to be a physical in-your-hand product. Sweet. So I can hand it to the wife and she can mm -hmm. go to work. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. I go, am Mike. looking forward to it. Hell yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think we all are. It should be great. Uh, so that, that wraps up our main medal for tonight. And uh, yeah, we, we really thank uh, the Arbiters for coming on. Uh, and we'll continue on here with the S2 Intel Brief, where I talk about the Crucis Lancers. Okay, everybody, so today's S2 unit deep dive is the Crucis Lancers. And that's the way I'm going to say it. I don't know if it said, you know, pronounced some other way, but that's the way I'm going with it. So the Crucis Lancers are one of those units out there that I see in a lot of the literature, the lore. And we're going to learn a little bit about them today. So the Crucis Lancers, following the departure of General Kerensky, the Star League soldiers that drifted into the Federated Sun, so the ones that didn't go with General Kerensky, they got organized during the first succession wars into the Crucis Lancers. So this has led to this particular unit always holding tight to Star League traditions while almost exclusively recruiting from worlds within the Crucis March. 
so kind of a very small area where they're all recruited from very i don't know if i'd say fanatical but very loyal to the federated sons in all there are eight regiments in the crucis lancers and the only uh combined action of all these regiments was the attack on uh tykonov or tykonov during the four succession wars so uh just to kind of briefly talk about them there's some well i don't know if i call it a misunderstanding maybe some uh detail lacking on when all of these regiments were formed but they were all formed around or most of them were formed around 2780 around 2782 or 83 some were formed during the first succession wars um so it kind of differs between each each regiment and the only really uh other kind of defining characteristic of all of these is their uniform so they are definitely one of these like olive green we love olive green because we can make it into a lot of different camouflages they love the olive green but they also use uh kind of regional colors as part of their original highlights as part of their parade colors i'm going to put a picture of an example of this onto the um, Valhalla Club Discord, so you can look at it in all its glory, all its green glory, of course. Uh, they're not bright green like the a certain clan is, but they're the drab green. And um, I'll also include a picture of uh, one of the uniforms. So, quite interesting picture. I'll talk about it here in a second. I'm just gonna. This is gonna be a little bit different one because I'm gonna run through uh, some interesting facts, some interesting. Kind of things that happened with each of these regiments because they were basically used all over the place uh, by the Federated Sons to uh, they were involved in major attacks, major campaigns to plug holes where there were holes along the border. They were involved in a lot of <laughs> a lot of stuff basically. So I'm going to go through these regiments kind of one through eight and talk a little bit about them and about some interesting things that happened with them. So. Uh, the Crucis Lancers. Let's go to the first regiment. These are nicknamed the New Avalon Lancers, and their home base was uh, it was originally Bastrop, this, the planet of Bastrop. The then uh, they have some history throughout uh, throughout the <laughs> recorded history of the Inner Sphere, and they're definitely an elite unit that is kind of good anywhere anytime they can plug a hole they can be on the front lines whatnot and they have a long history of you know fighting all over the place they were one of the eight regiments all all eight all eight regiments were used on the attack on tikhanov during the four succession wars the the one thing i wanted to kind of point out from this is uh when you look online look on sarna and where we get information about these things is there is one uniform picture that is associated with the first uh, regiment? I think it's basically a, a uniform for any of the any of the regiments. But the and I'll put this picture up on the Discord as well. The interesting thing about this is I I want you guys to look at like the demeanor of this person in this uniform. It is interesting, and some some of the regiments have kind of like a Debbie Downer history, like they. They, they're not so they don't get involved in a lot of happy places uh they're they're involved in a lot of like guerrilla warfare and really really poor circumstances 
Anyhow, so that's the one. The first is just kind of like you're, you know, they're awesome. They're awesome at anything, so they're involved anywhere. And they don't have an end date as far as, uh, you know, being destroyed or disbanded or whatnot. Let's go to the second regiment, which is, and this is of kind of recent, more recent fame, the Kestrel Lancers are the second regiment of the Crucis Lancers. And these were reportedly formed in, in 2783. Uh, the unit was actually disbanded after the Third Succession Wars due to heavy losses from fighting with the Draconis Combine. And uh, they were allowed to rebuild during the War of 3039. Now, during the clan invasion era, they were used kind of by Liren. They, they were under the command of Liren uh, leadership. And they were used to kind of raid and harass Clan Jade Falcon worlds behind lines. Um, because they were under Liren leadership that didn't really like them, they were assigned to the world of Timbiki to garrison it. And they realized quickly that they would never gain support from the Liren leadership and gain supplies and, you know, what they needed to maintain the unit. So the unit commander, An Sung, approached the Timbiki Spirits Brewery to help produce advertising for their famous Timbiki Dark Beer. So they actually took their mechs and the mechs of the unit were used to put together advertising holovids acting as Ulrich Kerensky's Golden Keshek for the filming. So this was definitely something that wasn't, you know, technically allowed. And those of you that have served in the military, you can think about doing this uh, in your unit and how interesting that would be. But this did allow them to have at least some funds to maintain the unit. Um, there, they continued on all the way through uh, the recorded history that we have for them. And... They were skilled at guerrilla warfare and orbital drops as well. So that's another another big regiment. The second, the Kestrel Lancers. Okay, on to the third. And the nickname of the, the third regiment is the Akuner. I believe I said that right. Lancers. And uh, they were put together in the first succession wars. And they have a long history fighting against the Draconis Combine. They spent most of their time during the clan invasion in the Draconis March to dissuade attacks um, from, uh, I think, both the clans and and, uh, and Draconis forces. They were also involved in... I'm sorry, that wasn't the clan invasion. That was during the Civil War. Uh, they were also involved on in the attack on New Avalon when that occurs in the Civil War. Uh, the interesting occurrence I want to bring up with the third is during the Jihad era... They had gotten some information that on the, the planet of Telman 4, the Word of Blake was using that planet as a base. So they went to attack it. But uh, that wasn't true. Their information was incorrect. So they ran into a combined Outworlds Alliance and Clan Snow Raven force that completely destroyed the entire regiment, or the mech regiment, leading to the deactivation of the entire 3rd regiment. So before they were destroyed during uh, during the Jihad era or deactivated, their tactics included combined mech and tank forces um, along with ambushing infantry. So they would put their infantry, they, they loved to put them in emplacements and then ambush any, any enemies that were trying to go across their lines. On to the 4th Regiment. So the 4th Regiment's nickname is the Point Barrel Lancers. And this was created from a heavy Battletech regiment uh, from the original Star League. So 
starting from the succession wars, they frequently fought Capellan forces, um, also fought Caridum forces as well, um, especially on New Aberdeen, where they they were much of the regiment was destroyed when they were kind of isolated from friendly forces, uh, as as well as all the other eight regiments. They were involved in the Tikhonov attack in the succession wars. During the Civil War, they had re- had had returned to the Federated Sons. Now all these, you know, all these Crucis Lancers units are very loyal to the Federated Sons. So they returned to the Federated Sons where they saw serious combat on their homeworld of Jouser, facing the second Donegal Guards. So during this heavy fighting, uh, there were a lot of units moving in on, on and off planet, a lot of reinforcements for the Donegal Guards. And during this heavy fighting, they saw much of their command structure pretty much destroyed. But eventually, a Comstar division kind of uh, broke ranks with uh, their own and came to reinforce the 4th Regiment. And after the Donegal Guards were shown off-planet, as well as other other Lyran forces, this Comstar division was denounced. And so they eventually became part of the 4th Regiment to kind of uh, surplant losses. So um, during... The uh, Dark Age, they were actually, the the fifth was actually destroyed by Capellan tax and as well as uh, the final Draconis Combine attack on Palmyra. So up to that point, their tactics involved kind of striping, striking from unexpected directions. So let's hip, hop over to the fifth regiment, which is the Remagen Lancers. These were also created during the Succession Wars and... Uh, during the clan invasion, uh, specifically during the 3057 Liao Merrick Offensive, the unit was tasked with hunting down the Zhang Zhang Diguang terrorist group that helped trigger the war. Uh, this led them to fighting on nine worlds over four years and eventually uh, destroying many of the terrorist forces there. Um, they were they become became kind of because of their commanding officers increasing paranoia during the Civil War years, uh, even before the Civil War kind of technically started. They were very wary and antagonistic regarding Lyran units, especially the 15th Deneb Light Cavalry, who they had kind of this like running battle over several worlds going on. I think the most uh, the biggest one that involving the Fifth Regiment was during the Jihad era. They were heavily involved in fighting against Word of Blake, including a vicious fight on the world of town, where the the fight involved capital missile launchers uh, from a massive mountain defensive structures. Uh, this is heavily fortified by Word of Blake and really tough nut to crack. So tough that it uh, the the Crucis Lancers eventually said, "Okay, we have to." just use orbital bombardment or else it won't <laughs> we won't be able to take over we won't be able to destroy the the defenses here and it led to kind of a lot of craziness between the word of blake and and this uh orbital orbital bombardment from from a space cruiser so very interesting there and they were actually they were involved in the assault on terra and they were involved in that they attacked rio de janeiro so that was that that was their location of attack they're uh, they are still a surviving unit, and so their tactics involve formations kind of trained in independent aggressive actions. They never really stay in one place for too long, so they're very very aggressive. Very whatever they're doing, if it's defensive or or offensive, they're still aggressive. Uh, no holding back. 
On to the 6th Regiment, which is the Sama Lancers. And their homeworld, the original homeworld, uh, was Langhorn. During the Succession Wars, they have this uh, pretty uh, crazy moment. So during the 4th Succession Wars, the 6th Regiment was tasked with attacking this Capellan-held planet called Mandate. Now this, this planet was known for having a very tough and kind of fanatical populace. And when the invasion commenced, they actually the the six faced propeller craft making ramming attacks against their dropships, as well as their mechs, as well as kind of continuous suicide and sniper attacks. Through much of the fighting, there were like these uh, there were mass attacks of inferior but overwhelming militia forces that almost overwhelmed the lancers several times. Uh, they had kind of some fortuitous circumstances that led to them being able to survive these mass attacks. But the Lancers, you know, in the end, they finally won out after the capital capitulated and, and morale was very low amongst the six because of like this horrendous kind of engagement against many like women and children that were acting as suicide bombers and things. So um, this unit continued through time up until the Jihad era. The They were tasked with fighting, and then actually acting as quarantine agents on the planet of Galax. And this planet had been hit by Word of Blake bioagent, causing all life on the planet to start dying, like, over time. And so they had to keep the, the quarantine. And because of this, like, the, the, the morale in the unit became just extremely low, and, like, suicides became uh, very common in the unit. So the unit was, because of that, the unit was deactivated in 3075... Um, and then the, the survivors spread to other units. Up until its deactivation, the, they were very experienced in urban warfare. So this is one you'd find with your your Irby Derby, that's for sure. But never, because it's a it's not the Capellans. Um, on to the 7th. So the 7th Regiment are known as the Broken Wheel Charioteers. Now in the Succession Wars, this unit fought uh, a war of resistance against Decronus Combine Forces on Kintaris 4, where, well, you can you can gauge if it's lucky or unlucky, uh, coincidence led to a Crucis Lancers officer assassinating Minoru Kurita. This uh, led to his kind of imbalanced or unbalanced surviving son, Jinjiro Kurita, causing the Kintaris massacre. So they were kind of the the catalyst to this horrible thing, and everyone, you know, everyone in the in the Battletech universe knows about the Kantaris Massacre. And uh, they were heavily involved in, in a lot, a lot of fighting up until the Jihad, uh, well, actually up into the Dark Age era, when they were also destroyed by Draconis Combine units on Palmyra. Uh, this unit's tactics were basically summarized by their motto, which is anything, anywhere, anytime. So there's the seventh. On to the last, uh, the eighth, Regiment, which is the Islamabad Lancers, uh, with the homeworld of Mara. And they're kind of, uh, I guess, not defining, but uh, a big action was during the Civil War. They uh, attacked Draconis Combine forces on Prosperpina. And once they were victorious against these forces, they took over the Bulldog Enterprises production plant. And because of the destruction that had been caused during the fighting, uh, they were heavily involved in, afterwards, humanitarian efforts in that particular area. And because of this, they were awarded the Dragon Slayer Ribbon. I think that's somewhat appropriate in the DC, you know, fighting uh, Draconis Combine Forces. 
and the Draconis March Meritorious Unit Citation. So they held on to this the, the planet of Prosperspina uh, until over time they were attacked by four different Draconis Combine units, which eventually dislodged them from their uh, from the planet and the regiment was effectively destroyed. It was just decimated, so the survivors were spread among the other surviving regiments. So with that, that's the eight regiments of the Crucis Lancers. So uh, these are definitely easy ones to paint up, and they are definitely involved in a lot of action all over the universe in Battletech. And if you are a Fed Sons fan, you should definitely have a unit of these somewhere in your collection. And with that, that's the unit deep dive. And with that, we'll jump into the drink of the month by Mr. Bourbon. Go for it, Ben. Hey all, this is Ben here, your Battletech Master of Spirits. Get your mixers, liquors, shakers, stirs, and strainers ready as we cover this month's Battletech Drink of the Month. All right, folks, this month's Drink of the Month. I'm sorry again, but uh, the Sword of House Davian, that is the Drink of the Month. So the Sword of House Davian is made with one and a half ounces of Jägermeister, a half ounce of vodka, one and a half ounces of syrup, two dashes of bitter, bitters, garnished with nutmeg, serve it on the rocks. And how is it, Ben? It's it's not good. It's not. It's not good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I hate Jägermeister. I really do, man. I don't like black licorice and I don't like Jägermeister. So I hate black know. licorice and licorice, but Jäger <laughs> seems more like Steiner to me than it does Davian. I, yeah, I got nothing, man. I because it's, it's German. Red, it's it's the dark web. It's Reddit. This is what you get, you know. Yeah, so. I do it. So when it says one and a half ounces of syrup, is that one and a half ounces of simple syrup? Is it maple syrup? Is no, it, it's simple syrup. Oh, okay. here, gentlemen. That's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah well, there's uh, different types of syrups, and there was a drink not long ago that had maple syrup, so I had that's to ask. True. That's true. Then how many more drinks are there to get through in this? <laughs> when we got ten, 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 ten more. And we need more. like an advent calendar, but instead of it being Christmas, it's just that's, we no longer have to drink these things. I think I might, I think I might change it up next episode and give you guys a good one because I, I wrote you down know, a good one. that would yeah. truly be a breath of fresh air. It's a Christmas miracle. It's a Christmas miracle. It's a Christmas miracle. That's true. That's a great idea. Yeah, See? we'll give you guys a good one next month. Just, just oh. you gotta endure the pain. For, for another for another episode. Just be prepared for a lot of bourbon. <laughs> I, I, quit. I quit I, trying I, to keep up with these these drinks. They all just look <laughs> disgusting. Like I, I just read them. I'm like, nope, not doing it. Can't. Dude, this is not. this is that that Reddit list that I pulled up. I was like, are you kidding me? So yeah, what year is it from? It's it's what we had uh, to go off of. <laughs> it's it's yeah. I they made some of these up for sure because I can't find them in the fiction anywhere, and it's just somebody just just. Pulled it out yeah. of our ass and and once we finish the list, we're gonna hereby declare it apocryphal and then 
<laughs> and then we're going to start making our own we're going to take a, and we're we going to canonize the recipes. <laughs> See, we might we have to know start it's working wrong on because the, we've on done the... it for a whole year and it tasted like <laughs> shit the entire time. All right. Woohoo. <laughs> yeah, we might start have to work on the cookbook ones. That's See. right. That's right. We'll start off with the cookbook uh, ones. Yeah. Yes. We have high know, expectations. Like, I plan yeah. on getting into brewing and whatnot when I get home and Ooh. I actually have a garage. And so like mm. some of these things and I, and like, I'll, we're going to build like a wet bar when we remodel and stuff. So like I'm down to experiment and submit hey. ideas for like a battle tech mixology book. No, you, <laughs> you got to start with episode one, bro. And just go from there. <laughs> you were experimenting. I was, I was listening to the journey. <laughs> you, can't, you can't experiment by osmosis. <laughs> I sure shit did. <laughs> well, that is your drink of the month. Woo, woo, woo. We are sorry. Yeah. Woo. <laughs> <laughs> On a on a slightly better note, let's go to return and report. Uh, Mike, you want to lead off? Lead us off. All right. Uh, November fourth was the extra life for kids for the kids charity campaign. Um, so every year, uh, this year it was on November fourth. There's a uh, extra life is a um, like charity drive for the Children's Miracle Network Hospital. Uh, charity campaign thing and uh, every year they have what they designate as like the game day and so this all started off with uh, Tommy um, from Wolfnet Radio organizing a silent auction in support of this charity campaign now the charity campaign like it runs year round and everybody fo- like it to make it competitive because like we're all gamers right we like to compete um, everyone can, yeah, I guess <laughs> <laughs> everyone can form a team, uh, and then like you can display your, like your donation stats and how much you've raised this, that, and the other. But, um, so the charity runs 24, seven, 365, and the stats reset every year on January. Um, and they accumulate throughout the year, but this year in November was the extra life game day which is where gamers stream on Twitch or whatever platform they choose um, in an attempt to raise money for the uh, uh, Children's Miracle Network. So Tommy from Wolfnet organized a silent auction, which ended uh, at the end of November, um, at at midnight of November 30th, uh, Central Standard Time. And... He did a really awesome job, man. There's so many good uh, painted minis over there that were auctioned off. But so he was leading that front. And then Charles from Wolfnet reached out to me because I had just started streaming uh, on Twitch, trying to like, I had nothing else to do. Like my wife works nights. Uh, so once the kiddo goes to bed, I just game. And I was like, what's another way to have more fun with it? And so I figured I'd try streaming. So shortly after that, Charles hit me up and was like, hey, um, could we do a charity stream? And like, that's all he kind of (laughs) said. And I immediately started, I sprinted with it. I looked into everything, got all the resources, got new overlays, uh, set it all up. We were promoting it hard. 
And on November 4th, we had our charity stream where we played MechWarrior Online, or at least I did, for 17 hours straight. <laughs> Doggy. That is a long time. It was a long time, but dude, yeah. it was so much fun. Uh, so yeah, we, we played for 17 hours. Um, we raised $385. Um, we ha- Our peak concurrent players in the voice chat was 15. And that was the most I've ever seen in a single voice chat all playing that was, together. That was crazy. That it was, was really crazy. Uh, and it was a lot of fun. Uh, we were raided a few times. Uh, the biggest raid came from the MWO League, the comp channel for MechWare Online. They brought over 142 viewers. Uh, our next biggest raid was by Spectral Fire. Um, he brought 17 viewers. And yeah, we, we also just had a lot of people watching the stream that would end up joining the Discord and then hopping in the game with us, which was super cool. I think, I can't even remember. There, there was so many that did. I can't even remember them all off the top of my head. Uh, but there, there was definitely quite a few um, because I would share the Discord link in the uh, in the Twitch chat, and they'd come on over and then hop in game with us. It, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. But yeah, that was that was the Extra Life charity campaign. So we will definitely be doing it again next year, hundred percent on the whatever day Extra Life declares as game day. I'm gonna try and pull 24 hours next year. I'm saying it now. Oof. Gosh. I'm gonna try and do it. It depends on what my Too work much. schedule will be. I'll <laughs> I'll be in a different state with a different work schedule and whatnot. So I don't, I, I can't a hundred percent confirm that I'll be able to do 24 hours, but I'm going to aim for it. I'm going to go tell the boss, man, Hey, I've got something more important to do this day. Sorry. Yeah, it's, it's for the kids, man. So I'll play video games <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> for the kids. Yeah. But what's great too, is like, I can, I, the, the stream is linked to my extra life page. And so like the kids and their families in the hospital will like, they can scroll through all these uh, all these streams because they also you know put all the tags in there for extra life this set and the other and they can they can watch people play and raise money for them it's it's super cool it's fun fun and cool and that I think was our only uh, return and report um, that we had for this episode but we do have a Patreon plug which Mike gets to talk some more. Oh goody! <laughs> uh, did you say Patreon? <laughs> I said Patreon. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, so to start out, I just want to thank everyone uh, that's our first patron so far. Um, we super appreciate it. Um, we are, and it hasn't changed since we first announced it. There's still the single tier so far. We are continuing to brainstorm um, additional ideas, 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 and tiers. Um, however, like I'm not a super creative person. (laughs) I can talk about stuff that already exists all day. Um, but coming up with new stuff and I'm, I'm not that great at it, but so for additional Patreon tiers and exclusives, um, I mean, I'd like to get input from you all as listeners. Like what are some types of exclusives that you would be interested, um, that you would be interested in so far, like ideas that we've tossed around as like you know hats challenge coins flasks maybe t-shirts i don't know um what are your thoughts and then i mean maybe in general like is anyone interested in like valhalla club merch i don't know but if so that's something we could look into setting up you gotta tell us what you want what you really really want i see what you did there you should have sang it what i really really want thank you john 
but like <laughs> there we, we go <laughs> we we do this for y'all uh we have a lot of fun doing it and you know whatever you guys want let us know and we'll see if we can make it happen um but yeah so that's that's the patreon plug what do you want listeners yeah. what do you want patrons want yes, all five of you please tell us what you want <laughs> Hey, it's five so far. It's only been live for a month. Well, oh, I, I heard, heard I heard all listeners. My my bad. <laughs> I heard JP saying something back there. What did you what do you <laughs> want? If I promise to pledge a thousand bucks, will you slather yourself up in canola oil and chase a duck in the backyard while yelling my name really loudly? <laughs> I live in a townhouse complex with an HOA, so that's probably a no. That's all John. It's all John. John. Yeah, that's John's. That's it. Yeah, that's just another boy, bro. Yeah, well, now another day in the navy. (laughs) Another day in the navy. (laughs) Those were dark days, and they're behind me. I don't know why you guys have to keep. Are Are you sure about that? (laughs) Yes. Uh, Thanks. Thanks for that. And and you know, I just want to mention that uh, we we have the Patreon to kind of pay for what we do here on the. On the podcast is basically the kind of the streaming fees and stuff like that. So that's basically why we have it. It's not because we're uh, not living in filthy lucre or anything. But, oh, yeah. Uh, I'm not looking to make an income off the podcast by any means. If that yeah. was the case, a Patreon would have been up over a year ago and it would have been built out. <laughs> but yeah, we we want to give you what you want. And uh, yeah, so let us know. Right. Um, so that's the Patreon plug. And now we will hop into the news from the battlefield. Hello, everyone, and thanks for tuning in to Intersphere Free Radio for this month's news from the battlefield, sponsored by Ares Games and Miniatures. We start off with a strange report that may involve some controversial time travel. Two elite pilots from Clan Wolf and Skinwalkers face off against five units from the SLDF Royals. The skirmish began with both sides seeking superior fighting positions. Some long-range shots were fired quickly as the battle started. An SLDF crab took minor damage. For Clan Wolf, on the other hand, a superior shot landed in a critical location on one of the Skinwalkers and took out one of its primary weapons. Mech Warriors continued to maneuver for better positions after the opening volley. SLDF Mercury could be seen attempting to flank the Clan Wolf Skinwalkers to establish battle lines for the SLDF. Unfortunately, the maneuver was not enough to gain the upper hand against the elite Clan Wolf pilots. The SLDF forces suffered severe damage to a Highlander and crippling damage to the already injured Crab, which resulted in engine damage. As the fight continued, the same Clan Skinwalker saw another of its weapons go offline. Unfortunately for the SLDF, however, the crippled crab quickly reached its demise. After some intense fighting, the SLDF managed to drop the severely injured Skinwalker. The SLDF took some damage, but managed to remain a superior threat in numbers. Enraged by the loss of his fellow mech warrior, and by the bold actions of the SLDF Mercury trying to pin him down, the remaining Skinwalker removes a mongoose from existence. Trying to capitalize on the situation, the SLDF Mercury pilot cut in front of the remaining clan Skinwalker, resulting in its death. The move, however, allowed the SLDF Marauder to land some much-needed blows to the clan machine, which savaged the remaining armor from the clan mech. Up until now, the SLDF forces have held the initiative in the battle. Too little too late for Clan Wolf, however, as the final shots of the match see the last Skinwalker fall at the hands of the severely battered SLDF Marauder. It is still unknown how this match came to be in the first place, 
The initial theory is that while traveling the Exodus Road, an SLDF jump ship suffered a catastrophic misjump, which somehow propelled them to the future. Scientists around the Intersphere are looking into this strange and never-before-seen phenomena. If they ever find an answer, you will hear it from us first. Next, we visit a more recent battle that took place on the outskirts of a scientific research station on the planet of Vulcan in Clan Hell's Horse's territory on April 13th, 3152. The mission is DFA Wargaming's Intercept mission, which was recently covered in Scenario Showcase Episode 2. The former Jade Falcon worlds and the hinterlands are under siege. Planet after planet has been lost to the invaders on many fronts. The remnant of the Jade Falcons need to change the game, and they need to change it fast. In enters the planet of Vulcan. Only a few jumps from the Jade Falcon epicenter of Sudaten, Clan Jade Falcon has intelligence of strange experiments underway, experiments that could alter the balance of power in the hinterlands. The scientists report a breakthrough in development of new gases and crystals, derived from new elements, thus far found nowhere else in the inner sphere, other than in the geologically unstable region for which the planet Vulcan derives its namesake. The only problem, Clan Hell's horses, in control of the system, stands in the way. These technologies could multiply laser power and efficiency tenfold if they could be developed fast enough and if the intelligence is true. Clan Jade Falcon needs a game changer. If they can succeed in this daring extraction, they might just have what they need. Clan Jade Falcon forces unloaded on the beaches in the outskirts of dilapidated roads and bridges leading to the research facility as the Hell's Horses forces made their way out to defend the objectives scattered amongst the small islands. An early challenge occurred on the low-lying island near the wind farms. The Hell's Horses Incubus approaches and prevents the Jade Falcon Howler from gaining an early foothold on the objective. The Jade Falcon Kit Fox maneuvers to shore up the wind far flank as the rest of the Jade Falcon forces move to the main crater on the far side of the battlefield. The Hell's Horses leads a two-pronged attack, both to the main crater and across the central utility bridge to challenge the Falcons. At this point, both the small island near the wind farm and the large crater island have hot objectives for the taking. The Hell's Horses continue to march across the narrow utility bridge with heavy metal to harry the crossbow attempting to hold a central hot objective. And near the big crater, the Jade Falcon's mistake of stepping off a hot objective results in a protracted fight over the crater island, with a gargoyle and battle armor doing their best to contest and deny. Jade Falcon and Hell's Horses are tied at one objective apiece. Though Jade Falcon is poised to score two objectives next turn, with Hell's Horses poised to score only one, which would result in a narrow Clan Jade Falcon victory if it comes through. A complete murdering of the Hell's Horses gargoyle with legs severed and flying occurs in a grouping of trees near the volcano, a double dose of summoner for his troubles. The Hell's Horses Incubus and Shadowhawk make quick work of the wind farm flank, downing the Jade Falcon baboon and the Kit Fox before capturing the objective. In the end, Clan Jade Falcon captures three objectives to Clan Hell's Horses too. What will the Jade Falcons do with these crystals and technology that hold a faint promise of an improved laser? Has enough of the material made it off the planet intact? Time will tell. That is all we have for tonight, folks. Join us next time for news from the battlefield where we report on battles that have taken place throughout the Intersphere, both past and present. If you have a battle report you would like to submit for review, please send it to our email, thevalhallaclub.outlook.com, or submit the story on our Discord. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.
And that was the news from the battlefield, straight from the war zone. Uh, hopping into upcoming action, the only thing we've got on the docket for the time being. Um, actually, I think we have two things now that I just thought about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the big one coming up next year is the Las Vegas Open. And I've, I think I've talked about it in the last couple episodes. So if you already haven't, if you haven't already heard about it, um, it's happening in basically the third weekend in January. I think it's the 18th through the 21st uh, in Las Vegas at the Rio. We'll have both Alpha Strike and Classic Battletech events. We've got different events going on each day. Uh, ben will be running a campaign in a day with Alpha Strike. We've got uh, we've got an Alpha Strike 350 tournament going on uh, on the Friday there. For the on the classic side, we've got BattleTech through the ages, where we'll have different uh, scenarios and different ages of BattleTech. And we've also got a campaign in a day um, with the Tukid manual. And then, uh, in my mind, the awesome grand finale is Battletech Escalation, where you can go all the way from playing in Solaris up to commanding up to a company of units in Alpha Strike. So that'll have Solaris, Classic Battletech, and Alpha Strike in it. And I know that at least four of us will be there. So Dave yeah, is the loser. Dave is the one out yet, this time. I will be there. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's right. a good reminder. For anyone that hasn't bought your tickets yet, buy your tickets before we hit the cap. Yeah, before they yes. tell me we don't have any more space. So do it now, and then they have to let us in. <laughs> Not so quickly that I don't get tickets myself, you see. Make it happen right now. Right now. Uh-oh. Uh, <laughs> I know the. we also have an event happening in the Springs, in Colorado Springs, with Jack, which is Winter Tech, I believe. And, yeah, Dave uh, um, interviewed Jack and yeah. Devin. Devin, right? Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, where they laid pretty much the groundwork out. He put it up on YouTube under Colorado Battletech. I think he just created a channel for Colorado Battletech on YouTube. Uh, and I, so you should be able to search that and find it relatively easily. Uh, it's called Winter Tech. Yep, and it's happening next Saturday, so that would be the 9th, the 9th of December. So I need to edit quickly. Roger that. (laughs) Make it happen. (laughs) (laughs) And that's our upcoming action for this episode. And uh, with that, we will jump into our shout-outs. And, of course, we're going to start with our guests, Mr. and Mrs. Arbiter. So have at it. Um, Well, yeah, want to give a great big hello to our uh, fellow... uh, Kansas City area demo agents Scotty and uh, Duncan, uh, and to everyone in the uh, MoCAN, that stands for Missouri Kansas uh, Battletech Players Association, uh, and to our producer uh, who prefers to go by his online name Nightmare. So hey, you, you get to you get to pimp us out on this too. So <laughs> have fun with that. <laughs> yeah, I know that guy. That very nice. And Mrs. Arbiter, anyone you want to shout out? Shout out to John Helfers for the fact that he gave me a chance at something I wasn't expecting to do. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm really yeah, excited sure. about it. Yeah, we're we're glad he uh, he he brought you in. We'll say that. Um, uh, yeah. One one other thing, if I may, uh, a little for bit sure. of shameless personal promotion, please. Um, By all means, the uh, next issue of Shrapnel is coming soon. 
and uh, some jackass by the name of James Bixby wrote a short story that will be appearing in it. So um, if you enjoyed uh, the tales of a certain uh, selfish uh, jerkwad in a particularly pink battle mech, uh, you may want to pick that up. Which, uh, so. which Scrapnel is that going to be in? Uh, issue 15. 15, okay. Fantastic. So, this is we'll get there the eventually. Pink Panther story mm-hmm. that was in Shrapnel. It is? Okay, cool. Likewise, yeah. I would put a tagline and say that I've actually had a publication myself in number 10. That was a year ago, though. What's your Dang, point? man. It's, hey, it's, all, it's all good. I'll get there eventually. Now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I'm still in, like, I think I'm in Shrapnel 6. Uh, so, I'll I'll get there. I think you can stop playing video games, read more books. <laughs> I'm trying, man. 10, 15. 15. Damn, I should have. I'm going to start the, chasing you around the house, one Mike, more. like a little elf on the shelf. I can't read, read if you're chasing me. Read the shrapnel. <laughs> Sorry, well, I didn't mean to It's been fantastic to have uh, both of you on tonight to talk about everything, but also, you know, especially about the, the cookbook. Um, and where can, where can they find you? Oh, yeah. And where can they find your guys' podcast? Where uh, where can they listen to you guys at? Uh, for wherever you uh, get your uh, podcasts, uh, just search for Chatterweb or Arbitration Studios. Uh, either one will pull us up. Or you can uh, stream it directly from um, ourbattletech.com. And uh, we uh, try, not always succeeding, but we try uh, to get a uh, podcast out about the... Uh, third week uh of ever <clears throat> we try to get it recorded the third weekend of every month and then get it out uh by the end of the month so we're, we're past due <laughs> right now but there, there hasn't been much to talk about yet yeah well yeah i'm sticking to it <laughs> i just opened up shrapnel number six to my bookmark where i left off mm-hmm. and lo and behold the next story is your story uh, there you go. Nice. <laughs> Ace Darwin in the Sidewinder Canyon, baby. That's it. I'm looking at it right now. Come by another time and tell you about how uh, how how that how that uh, whole uh, thing came to be. Hell yeah! Well, thanks thanks for being on to both of you. That's been great. Um, and thank yeah, thanks for shouting out your local community because it's it's always great to have people to play with nearby. <laughs> it wasn't always that way, so it's great to have people for sure. Uh, Mike, thank you. Oh yeah, thanks a lot. Mike, go ahead. Uh, so, I mean, this essentially is just shout-outs reaching back to the Return and Report, but everyone that hung out and gamed uh, with me and donated money uh, for the Extra Life uh, campaign, uh, we had, again, Tommy and Charles from WolfNet. Uh, Tommy actually, like, downloaded the game near the end of the stream and joined us in a few matches, so that was a lot of fun. Charles, he was there most of the day. Seth, again, uh, White Fox, most of the day. Uh, Chandler and Derek from On the Origins. Oh, sorry. Seth from Mercenary Star Podcast. Uh, Chandler and Derek from On the Origins. Uh, Aaron and Brent from Of Mechs and Men. And then from our general community, we had Break Time Phil. Um, how, how did Matt, how did your name end up after? I don't know. I don't know. I, I tried to do it in order, uh, but <laughs> I'm just reading off the list now. Uh, so break time, Phil. Uh, thank you, Matt. Uh, yeah. Kirby the Foul, Major Mechit. Major Mechit, I think, was one of the ones that started by watching the stream and then 
joined the Discord and then hopped in game with us. Uh, Dak and Back, whose pilot name is Goodshot Jansen. Uh, Gold Bishop, uh, he's most active on the Wolfnet Discord. Uh, he re-downloaded the game and joined us. Uh, Gino Puff, Gino Puff was another one that started watching the stream and then joined us. Uh, the Coach Soundboard, uh, that Clutch. was a lot of fun. <laughs> that was so clutch, dude. <laughs> the The video is still up, I think, uh, on Twitch if you want to check it. Again, it's 17 hours. I don't know exactly where the Coach Soundboard came in, but it was awesome. I think I clipped it. Uh, and I guarantee there's a lot more <laughs> that I'm probably missing that hopped in and out throughout the day. It was a long day. Uh, but thanks again to everyone that donated and joined us in game. That was hella fun. Uh, and I, di- I did that on four hours of sleep. Um, I probably could have gone 24 hours if I had more sleep, but <laughs> I was tired, dude. <laughs> You're a champ, but, Mike, a champ. But yeah, it was a lot of fun. Thanks to everyone that donated and played uh, with us. Uh, can't wait for the next one. So that's my shout outs. Fantastic. Uh, looks like I'm next on the list, so I'm just going to shout out Greg and Jeremy from the Colorado crew. Uh, they've been definitely helping out with uh, some good feedback on the LVO player packets, especially on the Battletech Escalation. There were some clarifications that uh, they kind of brought to my attention, and so we put those into the player packets, and I think it's really helped, and now it's a little bit more clear. And so uh, they've really been helping out and and just being stand-up dude so yeah greg and jeremy thanks a lot guys uh ben over to you uh i'm gonna shout out to metal ed for being a stand-up guy and volunteering to help out at the uh lvo campaign in a day and uh we've been chatting back and forth a lot about the different units we each own so that uh, we have a full set of uh great death legion and uh, merrick folks to fight it out during the campaign so i appreciate it ed 2,000 vehicles or something just shy of it, you know. I don't know who wrote that damn thing, but that was a lot of fucking vehicles. Seriously, man. Uh, John. (laughs) Oh, yeah, that was me. Yeah. (laughs) John, you get to round us out for shout-outs. Julio, I'm going to shout-out the guys over at Goonhammer, Jack Hunter, and Peregrine. I I don't know who they are, but I just found them out maybe like a couple weeks ago. And it's, uh, it's good poop reading, you know. They got some pretty entertaining articles over there on Battletech. So shout out to them. Check it out. Goonhammer. You can, you can read them at other times to <laughs> listeners. <laughs> Good luck. Oh, uh, uh, you know what? It's uh, that's about typical for John though. <laughs> and with that, I don't, that'll bring I don't us know what to, you guys want from me, guys. Even when I can, okay. This last call time. <laughs> bring us to the last call. Last that's call, it. everyone. Last call. You can't, you can't <laughs> where you go, but you can't stay what here. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Get out. Thanks for joining us today in the Valhalla Club. If you'd like to hang out with us and many other Battletech podcasters, then be sure to join our Discord. Link is in the description. Special thanks to our sponsor, Ares Games and Miniatures. Ares is the premier online retailer for all your Battletech needs. If you would like to support the show, you can find us at patreon.com slash the Valhalla Club. If you have any comments, please feel free to send an email to the Valhalla Club at outlook.com. Until next time, mech fans.
Mike is silent. Oh, John's here. Oh, um, is that better? Oh, there you are. Yeah, I, now you're I, back. I'm sorry. I apparently accidentally muted my entire ass microphone. Um, <laughs> I don't don't even realize how I did that. 